before we begin our reflections today, I want to take a moment to notice our illustrious seminarians who are with us. They just finished their summer assignments and are about ready to go to the little seminar back to school. Joseph Marcantel, right over there. Eric Hernandez, over there. Dave Dowden and Dylan Allen. So very happy to have them here, continue to pray for vocations for the priesthood and religious life. Uh, yesterday was First Communion, and I decided to give a, a brief homily on the gospel. But as I was praying this morning, I felt compelled, maybe prompted, instead of talking about the gospel, to talk a little bit about the second reading of Paul's letter to the Romans, sort of wrestling with it, meditating on it, and seeing how it is so appropriate to the situation that we face in our culture, in our world today. Paul asks us the question, what will separate us from the love of Christ? What will make us experience darkness? Why, what should we despair over? What should we think the world's coming to an end over? And Paul goes down and he lists things, anguish, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, the sword, all these different things, none of them, should make us despair or separate us from the love of Christ. And so I realized we can insert other things. Pandemic, social unrest, chaos in the world, financial destruction, whatever it is. All of these things can be tied into here, and the message applies to us the same. There's nothing, no matter how bad it seems, that can separate us from the love of Jesus, but how often it does, or unless we perceive that it does. And it's understandable. The world is crazy. We've never experienced a global pandemic. There's all kinds of social unrest. School starting in two weeks. Talk about something we panic about. And I see in a lot of people, and including myself, restlessness, wondering where, where is God in all of this? What does the future hold? That's why I think this passage is so relevant. Because Paul, who experienced many of these things, if not worse, tells us we shouldn't let any of these things bother us because none of it will separate us from the love of Jesus or the love of the Father who's shown to us in Jesus. Why is this so hard for us to believe? Why is it that we walk around filled with anxiety and worry and a lot of the times act out unhealthily as a result of that to find some type of release? I think there are probably a number of different reasons why we experience this and why it is a struggle. And I want to talk about some of those, but really to try to put them in the context of how we can overcome these things how we can overcome them to come to really know and believe in the love of Jesus, that no matter how bad things seem, Paul understood it, and we can too. The message is relevant for us that the Lord still loves us, that God is still there, that Jesus has triumphed over sin and death. The first big problem is something that we face, and in a certain sense other cultures have faced too, but not like we do. And that's this problem of evil. If God was truly loving, if he was really good, 
If Jesus was everything that he said he would, he wouldn't allow these bad things to happen. He wouldn't let my loved one die. He wouldn't let tragedy happen. He wouldn't allow persecution or famine or nakedness of the sword. He wouldn't allow these things to happen. But guess what he does? He does. Paul understood it, and he experienced it. He who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, the apostles did too, and they didn't freak out over it. They didn't say, I can't believe God doesn't exist. I'm not saying they didn't have their trials. I'm not saying they didn't wrestle with faith like everything was very, very easy. But they never stopped believing in the love of God because they realized the two things are not, ir are irrecon not irreconcilable. That they can go together and they do go together. And why is it? Because Jesus died on the cross. That's the reason why. And came back from the dead. If we believe in a loving God, how can he allow this? He allowed it for his son, his son to die, to shed his blood so that we could be saved. And how do we know we're saved? Because he came back from the dead. He's still alive. Love triumphed over sin and death. This is the central core of our belief. We believe that Jesus is alive, that he's in control of things, even though we may not experience it. And so we've got to overcome this mental hurdle that didn't bother the apostles. It didn't bother the apostles. They understood that, that, that terrible crap in the world could exist and God's love could exist because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. We don't believe, we're not Buddhists, we're not Confucian, we're not atheist philosophers, we believe in the cross. But beyond that, how can we then come to really know what Paul's talking about. Granted, we can overcome our intellectual problem, but how can we experience what Paul does? Paul knowing that no matter what happens, the love of Christ will never be pulled away from us, that we're always connected. The reason Paul can say it, and so many of us can't, is because we know about the love of Jesus, but Paul knew the love of Jesus. We know about Jesus. We've learned about him in catechism. We read about him in the Bible. But Paul really knows him. He encountered him on the road to Damascus. The apostles really knew him. They walked with him, and they were there for 40 days after he rose from the dead. They didn't just know about Jesus. They knew him. But so many of us just know about Jesus. Because what happens when you really encounter the risen Lord, your life has changed. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin anymore. Doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. But you're going to change the way you do things. You're going to be set in a certain path. And it's clear for me, from my experience, the people that really have experienced Jesus, who know him as a living person, even though they may fall in sin and struggle, they go to confession, and they realize this is not how they should be living. They live lives in the spirit, not lives in the flesh. But how can we then come to experience that love of Jesus? To know that no matter how bad things get, we know the Lord's there. We may not always feel him, we may not see him. How can we do it? Because we don't have the same access that Paul did, that the apostles did. Granted, maybe Jesus has appeared to some of us in a very powerful way, but most of us have to experience the Lord and his love through faith. And there are a lot of ways we can experience it. 
but there are two primary places, two primary places that we can come to experience the love of God. And I want to talk about this in the context of a very famous quote, probably outside of Scripture. This is the most famous quote that we as Christians and Catholics have. It is from St. Augustine, the great father of the church. We all know the quote, Our heart is restless until it rests in thee, O God. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. We're going to be anxious. We're going to be distressed. We're going to question things. When things get bad, we're going to tempted to despair until we know and we allow our hearts to rest in God. Now, what's interesting about this is that St. Augustine doesn't say, and we as Christians don't believe, our hearts will stop being restless when all these bad things stop happening, when we remove something. Instead, Augustine's claim is these things are going to keep going on. It's not a matter of removing something, but encountering someone. Not about rules and regulations, but about the person of Jesus encountering him, knowing him, allowing our heart to rest in his. And the main place that we can do that is in prayer. I've been beating the pulpit about this. This is the time we really need to be praying, not just saying prayers, but going to encounter the Lord in prayer. The, the real struggle is, for so many people, prayer is about saying a bunch of prayers, doing work, performing, making sure that we've prayed well. But if Augustine's right, prayer is about finding rest. Come to me, all you who are laboring and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus tells the apostles, come away and rest. Granted, sometimes there's going to be darkness and, and struggle and distraction in prayer, but prayer is not about us going and getting a good grade because we set everything. Prayer is about coming and saying, Lord, I'm tired, I'm distracted, life's rough, there's a pandemic, school's about to start, I'm just here to rest. And so it's always so wonderful to see people and students in particular in the midst of all the stress that's going on in school just quiet in church. If we can understand prayer not as about us there to perform, about a duty we have to do, but time to come and rest with the God who loves us, to rest with our friend Jesus, who doesn't really expect much from us except that we show up and allow us to do, him to delight in us. It's not that difficult. But we begin to experience it that way, then we're going to come to be able to rest in the heart of Christ and know what Paul's talking about. But we can't do it for two minutes before we go to bed. That's not resting. We've got to have a committed time. Lord, I want to spend time with you today. I know my day's busy. I know it's rough. But I'm going to find time because you're a priority. Imagine telling that to your spouse. So I can't have time to talk to you today, baby. I'm too busy. You're going to feel the wrath of God if you say that. Why do we say that to God? Why do we say that to Jesus? He's not asking for much. It's that Sabbath that comes every day. The chance to rest. The chance to find recreation. A commitment to prayer. It's not about a method. It's about here I am, Lord. And if we are good at doing it, if we show up, He is going to change us. And we're going to be able to experience that love that transforms our lives. 
But the other way that we experience it, sometimes we get the message directly from Jesus, the love directly from him, but often he sends a messenger. He sends others who know his love, people like Paul, people like St. Therese, people like individuals we may know, to love us and therefore communicate his love to us. He sends his people who know the Lord's peace, who knows the fact that Jesus is alive and loves them, doesn't let all this craziness bother them so that we can rest in their hearts, so that we can, by them loving us, experience God's love. Yes, for other people, but we're called to do the same thing. I've said it over and over again. The command to love one another is not just for funsies. Christ gives us that command because he expects us to be channels of his love to others. But if we're restless, if we're freaking out all the time, if we don't know Jesus, if we're not praying, we'll never be able to do it. Here's a person looking for rest, but our heart is all over the place. It can't dock. It can't experience. It can't find a home. And so that's the obligation that all of us have to root ourselves in the love of Christ through prayer and through others. Our loved ones, our family and friends, the people the Lord puts in our lives, we're supposed to be channels of his love to one another. And we can start doing that. We find rest and giving rest to others. Then things begin making sense. Not with the knowledge of the head necessarily, because the faith is always going to be a stumbling block, but a knowledge of the heart. We all know people like this. They see the world falling around them. Actually, they probably really don't see it because they're not paying too much attention. But they're smart and they're not paying attention to social media as much as we probably are. They're not letting all that insanity bother them. They say, no matter how bad it gets, I know the Lord is alive. I know he loves us. I experienced it. I may not be experiencing it now. It may be difficult, but I know it's all going to be okay because Jesus Christ rose from the dead and is still alive. And I have faith in that living a life in the Spirit, now more than ever, probably in our lifetimes, because none of us have ever experienced a global pandemic before. The uncertainty of the coming months, the economy, with family, with school, with all of this, what's the most important thing that we can do? If we believe the words of Paul, believe the words of Scripture, is to have that encounter with the love of Christ through prayer, through our brothers and sisters, so that when things get bad, we're able to echo with St. Paul. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, things we love to worry about, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.